theyeshiva.net. In other words, that's what makes the real relationship. A person shouldn't become arrogant. Arrogant. A person shouldn't be even spiritually arrogant. He owns it. It's his... uh, All the, every experience of a lakus comes from Hashem. Mm-hmm. It says in Medrash, Tzadikim Daimon Labayram, Tzadikim are compared to their creator. It was once out of Abreng in Yudshvat, I think, Tavshin Chafalaf, 61 or so. So the Rebbe said in the middle that sometimes a chassid, in the middle of the day, or middle of the night, feels mm-hmm. An experience of closeness, of kiruv, hiskashus to the Rebbe, to the Rebbe. She said he should know the reason is because the Rebbe is thinking about him then. I had that experience only once. Huh? I had that experience only once. What happened? Sitting in this kinnah with a few Ramba. Yeah. So what was he trying to say? He was trying to, so you could say, ah, you think it's your thing. It's not that I ever thought about you, but it's, it's something so much more powerful. It means how close you are. So tzaddikim doim and labayram, that Hashem in His whole infinity, He wants a relationship. Right? It's the humility, the ability, the, the desire to compress it, that it should enter into the human brain, into the human heart. That I should be able to experience it, the human being should be able to experience the love and the connection and the intimacy with Ain Saif. Which logically, how could that be? If Kula can make a loichashiv, how can my brain have a chashivas? My heart, my experience, my emotions, my life. Somebody sent me, they reproduced last week, a few days ago, an image that was taken from planet Earth 30 years ago. They sent a... Uh, you know, a, rob- a spaceship, robotic, to go check out uh, Mars or different planets. It wasn't part of the plan, but on the w- they thought it's going to already be gone. It's actually still doing work, like 30 years ago. But on the way, somebody had an idea to ask it to take a picture of planet Earth. And it was a whole new investment in money, but they got it done. So somebody sent me the, the picture. <laughs> it's very humbling. It's like a speck of, uh, like a speck of dust on the surface of infinity. <laughs> you read the newspapers, it doesn't look that way, right? You listen to your heart, it doesn't look that way. But that, and that's not from infinity. That's just from outer, that's from uh, further away. It's not a small marble. It's like a comma speck, like uh, something that, you know, on your suit you get rid of. That's what it looks like. That's not Legabe Infinity. That's Legabe uh, quite a few million miles away.
Talking kula kamei, it's a mamash. Nonetheless, he chose that I want to think about you. I want a relationship with you. I want this to come into your heart like something that you could feel in your experience. So I'm just explaining from yesterday. So we'll continue weiter. We're up to uh, page 157. At the end of the second paragraph. No, the third paragraph. So everybody understood yesterday about the clay raycon? Huh? To have a base vlad? Okay, ayin test, column one, the second to the last paragraph. The line starts with a cholol keilu ayin mamash. So he spoke about creating the base vlad. Like the uman with the patish who creates the cholol. But there is one more nekuda or one more instruction, and that is what the Chazal tell us: as kois shall bracha, sarich hadocha mibifnim. Actually, some of you are going to be learning this Gemara now, the next few days. The brachas towards the end of brachas, Dafnon Aleph. Is the sugya of Kaisha Bracha. It's also in Shulchan Aruch and uh, the laws of Berches Amazon Kuf Pe Gimel. That Kaisha Bracha Tzarech Hadacha Mebifnim. The Shtifa and the Zadacha. The Kaisha Bracha, meaning the Kaisha that's used for benching, Berches Amazon, which as we said before, Knesset Yisrael is called Kaisha Bracha. Kaisha Yeshua is Esa. Kaisha Hamachzik Yayin, which is Yayin Hamasameach. But there has to be a Kaisha. So you have a kois. The craftsman carved out the cavity in the kois. Now there's openness. There's not an anymore an akara ain't la base vlad that there's not even a potential for a child. There's not even a potential for emotions. Why? Because the person is stuffed up. The person is plugged. They're completely filled with their own issues or insecurities or traumas or egotism or whatever it is. But rather, the Uma and the craftsman carved out that there's a makam ponoid, there's a makam chalal. There's a sense of ayin ve'efes mamish, which is, as he said, that's the beginning of all hope, the beginning of all openness to something greater, to something true or something deeper. Now I have to take the kosher and rinse it out, not only from the outside, that's the halachin kosher like every halacha in Nigla, every halacha in Torah is a reflection of a halacha in Pnimius. Every halacha in Nigla is a halacha also in Torah's Hanefesh. There's acting, there's doing the halacha physically, taking the cup and going to the sink and rinsing it out. Then they didn't have sinks, but whatever water they had to rinse out the kais. But there's also within myself, within my own mind, within my own heart. Even somebody that by nature, there is a cup that's empty. Somebody by nature is very humble. Sometimes life circumstances, a person doesn't have the metzach, metzach is a forehead, but it's an expression in Chazal for like the chutzpah, to be pampas, to be arrogant, to lift up their head. Sometimes a person is by nature very humble. Because of life circumstances or whatever. 
or even somebody who's not, but they carve out the cup. You still have to rinse out the cup. The cup could be empty. It's open, it's open, you could fill it up, but it's filthy. means I have to rinse it out, I have to cleanse it. That's what lahadiach means, to rinse it. Sometimes what happens is, and here we have one line, the concept of distractions. Not distractions of forbidden things, because that's easy to see the negativity. It's distractions of permitted things, permissible things. That a person's heart sometimes becomes connected with his entire heart and soul, what we would call very deep, uh, uh, very, very connected with your whole heart and soul, <clears throat> to things that are permissible. But what are they? Huh? Obsession, a habit, an addiction would be probably. Mechalev nefesh means I'm uh, completely entrenched in it with my whole heart and soul. So if it's a davar ha'os or something forbidden, so obviously it goes without saying you have to rinse it out. But apparently the people sitting when the Rebbe said this, Maimah didn't have that issue of dvarim ha'asurim. They were erlechiyidin. Dvarim ha'mutarim is something else. A davar ha'mutar is something that's permissible. Shulchan Aruch doesn't say that it's forbidden. But the fact that I do it with my entire heart and soul doesn't allow my kais to serve as an antenna to anything else. Why? We call it today numbers. You have numbers. You know what a number is? Huh? Not N-U-M, how do you spell it? B-E-R, right? So, uh, huh? It's not so Negea how to spell it. It's Negea the Inyan. Huh? What does it do? When my heart becomes... Person has, uh, listen, people have feelings, people have pain, people have anxiety, people have different things going on. The natural instinct is I want to try to avoid that. How do I avoid it? How do I avoid it? I avoid it through something that gives me some gratification, at least for the moment. To Bemele, it's a distraction and it's a number of pain. What happens if I have deeper experience and deeper emotions? I become connected to those things in the depth that is similar to the depth of the pain. The depth of attachment to different distractions becomes as deep as the void that I have to try to fill. That's the Bechal Leva Nefesh. Why is it my whole heart the Nefesh? What is it? Because it has to compensate for the soul that is experiencing something. But it's very hard to go to that place. So therefore I have all of these types of things that avoid my confrontation with that which is uncomfortable. And it's sometimes it's very masurim, it's pushed addictions to horrible, toxic, destructive things. Over there, the boundaries are very clear. Without the Rebbe saying it could be dvarim amatadim. Not everything is not everything is permissible, but your connection to it, your running to it, that is filling up the kais shabracha with uh, with uh, with dirt, with filth. Yeah. Yeah. Even Ava Vayir, if it's my own, will also be that. Yeah. And that's already spiritual stuff. That's not uh, cheesecake. Cheesecake is also spiritual, but it's hard to find. 
Everything is spiritual. But you have to get to the nitzots of it. But take a, a, uh, food is a very good example. Food is not a davar ha'asr, food is a davar ha'mutar. We all know that. Sometimes it's even a mitzvah to eat. <laughs> Shabbos, there's yamtif. Yeah. Einig Shabbos, Einig. <laughs> so the Shabbos. So sometimes it's not only a davar ha'mutar, it's sometimes a davar shal mitzvah. Yeah. Drinking wine is sometimes a mitzvah. A kiddush of Shabbos, yamtif. Ah? Matzah's day, right? Okay. Oh, mother is the rabbanon. What's this cheesecake? Minig Yisrael Torah. State ma'achalei chalav. You could be yotzer with a coffee also, just for the record. <laughs> Especially if you're up all night. Huh? Okay, ashtakal kez. So that's a per- it's a davar amutter, but everybody knows there's two ways of dealing with food. One is that I live in order to eat, and one is that I eat in order to live, <laughs> and they're very different. I live in order to eat means <laughs> the eating is part of the distraction of life. So I'm stressed out, I go to the pantry. I'm more stressed out, I go again to the pantry. You know how many people times people open the refrigerator within 25 minutes. It shows their amuna that within 20 minutes, God created yesh in a whole new meal that wasn't there 20 minutes ago. It's a fascinating thing. What happened in the last 20 minutes? Nobody went shopping. <laughs> but of course, it's not negeya. You're not looking for something specific. It's the, what I need is something to distract me from the void that the kais opened up. And what happens then is the person's entire heart and soul is connected to something, and only by disengaging from it can I remain with an emptiness that allows me then to open myself to be filled with with emes, with truth. And that's a very deep avoid. Like we learned in the previous Maimon and Bashalach, that simtsum lav koidem lahain, right? That surmeira has a depth that Asay Taif doesn't have. Mitzvah Lysis is higher than essay. The yud of Shem Havaya Delayla is created through the tzimtzum of a person. The hay is through the hispashtas of a person. Hispashtas of a person means I'm involved in something. Tzimtzum of a person means when I have to withdraw, when I have to disengage. In other words, I have to be able to trust the essence. I have to be able to trust the organic self and not feel that I always have to cover it up with something else that will be a quick fix and therefore will not allow me to feel whatever I have to feel. And therefore... When I don't do it, when I do the opposite, when I allow my nefesh and my heart to gravitate to all of these things, what am I doing? I'm basically, each time, I'm ruining a tremendous opportunity of very profound awareness, a very profound closeness, because I'm covering it over with other stuff that don't allow me that opportunity. So it's really a very, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sensitive issue. This is not a war. This is not the saying, I'm not asking, we're not talking about mortification, that a person shouldn't eat, shouldn't drink, uh, shouldn't sleep, shouldn't do things that are permissible and productive. The question is, how much of your heart is inside of it? In other words, how much of it is a distraction for other things, not for the purpose itself? Eating is a beautiful thing. <laughs> That's how we live. That's how God wants us to live. And there's the Havai de Ruchnes of Achila that we learned in many my modern, what food is, food for my Lamatoyu and the divine spark of food and so forth. 
The question is, when something captures my heart, it's already something else. Now it's a filler for my emotions. It's a, it's, a, it's a different experience. It's actually abusing the food because it's not respecting the function and the purpose that the food itself has to offer. Suddenly the food is now being used. It's being manipulated, so to speak. If somebody takes the heart and it becomes niksha, niksha becomes addicted, entrenched, tied up, in various vanities of the world. Again, not necessarily things that are forbidden. So over there it's stronger, but even things that are permissible. EF Shali is clay kibble. My Kaylee is not a clay kibble, and we, we almost see it because I'm filling it with other stuff. <laughs> you understand what Al-Tareb is saying? To be able to open yourself up to that void, a clay kibble is an open Kaylee. That means there's nothing there. Then God could fill it. Then the wine, Yayin HaMesameh could fill it. But if I'm filling it with other things, yeah, so what happens? EF Shali is clay kibble. It's not a clay kibble anymore. So just like we spoke before, that sometimes there's a person who Bechlal doesn't have a clay kibble, there's no base vlad, I have no uterus for emotions, spiritually speaking. There's no womb to be able to carry a child, to be able to love, to be able to have, oh, why not? Because it's plugged up, it's nistam, it's betumtum. As he said, ain't la base vlad. So what does it have to do? The woman has to take the hammer, and carve it out. Oh, that's step one. Now what's step two? So L'chayr, I reached everything. Oh, step two, now be very careful. Because now when you suddenly start experiencing a void, you're going to run to China. Mm-hmm. You're going to run everywhere. You understand? This is the danger when you have a clay kibble. He says sometimes you have a poor person. He naturally has a clay kibble. But... I want to fill it. And the male, it's not a kibble anymore. And what am I filling it with? I'm not filling it with that which I'm really searching for. When you're filling it with that which you're really searching for, that's what's point. That's the point of Bracha. Put in the wine. I'm filling it with other stuff. That's why you have to put your whole heart and soul into those stuff. And tomorrow more, and the next day more, and the next day more. Because if that was what you were looking for, so you filled it, you filled it. Well, so go home, go to sleep, you're happy. But it's not really what you were looking for. You were looking for something else. This is a distraction of what you're looking for. So it never ends. It only increases and increases and increases because the more you do it, the more you feel the void and the more you feel the frustration that even though I'm doing all these things, I still have a void. So now the void becomes deeper. So now the distraction has to be deep. Here in Dray Shuras, you have a... Half of the 12 steps. Yeah. You have to clean up the kais. The example for this is you have a cup and it's filthy. You can't put in wine. It's a crime to put in wine. Nobody's gonna, you can't put in good, uh, wonderful, delicious wine, fragrant wine. Until I wash up the kais. There's an empty kais. But tzarech hadoche mibifnim. That's the diuk mibifnim. There's the hadoche mibachutz. There's things on the outside. Things on the outside is things that other people could see. Mibifnim is internally, a person knows internally who he is or she is inside. That I have to clean up. Mibifnim, it's my own pnimius. And without that, the wine can't come in there. 
וכן האיש שלא תוכל לקבל הירואין, אפילו יש בלו בייס ולד, אם לא ניתרו מתומוסם. Back to the initial metaphor of Akara, that's what the Apostle says, the woman, from the halachic perspective, cannot receive the child, the embryo, the pregnancy, even though there's a base blood. If there's no, the cycle that Hashem made, there has to be first the, 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 the tara, the cleanliness from the tumah, from the, the traumas and the issues that are brought up by the, by the cycle of blood, which is going to be discussed a little later in the Maimer, what that represents on a spiritual level. And it's not just halachically, you could say, well, it's not, it's also biologically. We know that, uh, <laughs> it's not the focus here, but we know that the uh, halacha, the time of mikveh, right? It's fascinating how it coincides with the time that is usually, unless there's, there's exceptions, but usually it coincides with the time when the body, the feminine body is the most fertile, it's the most keili to be able to be a couple of lad. Ovulation, is dafka that time. So it's not just, he's not just saying a psak din, without tarish, he's not allowed. Pashatin mitzias, it has to be after the cleansing of the dam. Pashatin mitzias, that she becomes a keli. Why is it biologically that way? Because spiritually it's that way. Because in the spiritual hilchis nid, it's that way. That to be able, there's opening, having a keli. But to be the keli, to be able to have a vlad, it has to be Tzarech HaDochem HaBefnem. I just want to point out some an interesting thing. You're learning Hilchus Berchus HaMazin is about Kaisha Bracha. It's in, it's in Masech Brachas, the end of Nafnon Aleph, and it's in Shulchan Aruch Erechayim, Hilchus Berchus HaMazin, Kufpe Gimel, I think. Hilchus Nidiz and Evan It's completely two different sugas, they're not connected. Kaisha Bracha by Benching and Hilchus Nidiz are as remote from each other as, uh, Lahavdil as uh, one of the two planets of men and women, uh, Mars and Venus, yeah. But that's all when you're looking at it just from the physical, technical component. When you're looking at the toichen of it, the tepnimius of it, yeah. So what's true in one realm of halach is true in another realm of halach. So that's how the the issues become connected. So a person really has to ask themselves: first of all, do I have a clay cable? <laughs> That's avoid the number one. But he says, you have a clay cable, a kvaldik. I've been humbled by life. Some of us have been humbled by life, and it's true. And you know, when you have been humbled by life, you know you have been humbled by life. Your ego is not in the way anymore. And ego usually doesn't... Al-Tureb is very much, if you realize, that the ani disturbs everything. The truth is that the big ani, of course, comes from the small ani. The ego comes from the ultimate insecurity that I cannot, I cannot be who I really am. So I have to create a compensation called the ego. As we say, ego stands for the words easing God out. Right? Because I have to compensate. So let's say my ego has been, uh, punctured. That's the word. Punctured. So now the, the Uman, the first thing he has to do is create a puncture, right? You're not, you're not carving out a keli if you don't have access. So you need a puncture, you need a hole, and then you have a tfisa and you could carve it out. L'chayda alz is good. Tzarech hadachem ebifnem. Without the hadachem ebifnem, all the humility goes nowhere. 
Why? It opened me up to pain, and now I'm busy distracting myself. And what, by the way, distraction doesn't only mean, it could be, it could be all types of things. Anger is a gewaldic distraction. My anger, I'm frustrated at my temper. Yeah? And I could say it's permissible. I'm angry about holy things. But what are, all these nakudas that I'm, the clay kibble is not, doesn't have a docha. You have to really rinse it out and keep it, keep it open, purely open to what it really needs, to what it's really looking for. And if without that, the wine, the wine won't be able to flow in it. It's already stuffed up with, uh, with ragalach, with babka, with herring, whatever. I don't know what you put into your kosher bracha. I'm giving benign examples, I know. I hear you. But you could use a glass cup for kosher bracha. Who says you shouldn't use a glass cup? Okay. And you should oxygenate the wine and do everything you have to do. Of wine. Of yayin amasameach. Okay. There's a powerful story about uh, it was the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. His name was the Rebbe Rashab, Reb Shalom Daiv Ber. He passed away exactly a hundred years ago. Beis Nissen Tofresh Pei, nineteen twenty, in Rostov on the Dan River. He was the fifth Rebbe in Lubavitch, the son of the Rebbe Maharash, who was the son of the Tzemach Tzedek, who was a grandson of the Balatanya. His father was Reb Shmuel, the Maharash. And he passed away very young, in his 40s. And the Rashab, his younger brother, his middle son, was very young at the time. He was like 20, uh, 21 or 22. And uh, so he didn't want to, he didn't feel that he should succeed his, succeed his father. Practically, he did a lot of things. He said, my mother, he helped people, but... Uh, it took him maybe, I think, 10 or 11 years until he agreed to uh, fill the steps of his father. He had an older brother whose name was Dirazah. They called him Nazar Zalmanaren. He was an older brother of his. In the early years, when he still wasn't officially, uh, didn't officially agree to succeed his father, a Jew once came to where he and his brother lived, which is the city of Lubavitch in Belarus, a small town in Belarus. And uh, he needed he needed a Yeshua, so he came in to the Rebbe Rashab, and he told him his dilemma, what was going on. So the Rebbe looked at him, and he said in Yiddish, "Ich nicht it. I can't help you." So the Jew walked out of the room, and right when he closed the door, he broke down sobbing. And he was in the hallway, and he was like leaning against the wall or sitting on the floor, just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. The Rebbe Rashab's older brother, Rebbe Zalmanar, walks by. And he sees a Jew sitting and sobbing. So he said, what happened? So he said, I went into your brother. He called him the Rebbe. And I told him my dilemma, my problem. And he tells him, Now, he was the last hope that I had. I tried everything. He was the last hope. I walk in, he says, I can't help you. So I know it's a lost case. It was a very, apparently it was a very, I don't know what it was, but it was a very personal and deep matter, obviously. 
So the older brother did Azar, since it was the earlier years, so he still, you know, he felt he was the older brother. So he walks into his younger brother, and he gives him a piece of his mind. He says, I don't understand you. A youth comes for help. Yeah. Even if it's true that you can't help him. That's what you do. And have a good day. Some comfort. Some encouragement. Even in dire situations, you don't give up hope. That's what he comes to you for. Give him some, some tikva, as they say, some encouragement. You just say, he's, he's, he's rebuking his, his, I don't want to say his baby brother, they had another brother, but his younger brother. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe listened, and he said, yeah, and I forgot, he told him, you know what you did to this guy? He's sitting and sobbing and sobbing. Where's your heart? So he says, ask him to come back. And he put on his hat, he put on his gartel, and the Jew came back in. And he told him a whole thing, what to do. He gave him a gansa, etza, what to do. And the person was helped. The person had a Yeshua. That's the end of the story. What's pshatna? What's pshat in the Maisa? Yeah. <laughs> it's taka, it's taka a funny thing. First of all, his brother is right. Sometimes you can't help somebody. We all know that. But what's the right thing to do? You can give them a hug. You can encourage them. You could say, I'm here with you. You can't always, we don't always have advice. I don't know if we ever have advice, but sometimes we certainly don't have advice, right? But you could make a person feel that he's not alone. Somebody once told me <coughs> he lost two siblings, two two sisters passed away. So people came for shiva. So everybody has what to say, you know. The, all the chachamim have what to say. Yeah. And he said there was one person said to him, "Hashem should give you koyach to be able to deal with this." Sometimes I don't, there's nothing to say. But you could say, I'm here with you. I'm thinking about you. I'll daven for you. That's even if you can't help. But here the question is much stronger. His brother gives him Musa. He says, oh, call him back in. And he helps him. So so why didn't why didn't you help him? Because you said you couldn't. So what happened suddenly five minutes later you could? And if you could, why do you say in the beginning that you can't? It's a hard story to understand. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe said over the story, and he explained it based on the story of Masech Tainis that I shared yesterday with Rebbe Lazar Shimon, when he told the person, ugly one, come, empty one, how ugly are you? Are all the people from your city so ugly? When he explained that story, he said that he thinks, he said, but he thinks that's shot in the story. When the person came into the Rebbe, of course he would have helped him. He saw the man cannot be helped. Sometimes a person is in a situation, you can give them all the advice in the world. Those of you who know about giving advice to people understand this very well. It will be useless. Not only will it be useless, but it could be used in the wrong way. You're giving them words that they're not shy to hear. You could tell... Everybody knows you can have somebody in your life who tells you all the truth in the world about you, the most important things. If you're not ready to hear it, it's a bracha levatallah. Or in this case, it's a kaisha bracha levatallah. 
There's no kais. There's no kais. No kais. I'm pouring wine. Wine. I got tug. I can give you the best wine in the world. You got no cup. You got no cup. <laughs> Since Pudim is coming, I'll tell you a of art. There was... <laughs> The Gemara says in Masechta Megillah, Kol yad Yeah? Comes to pur, pe, pe, Purim, you don't discriminate. In Shainus Shulazech, Kol HaPoshet Yad Noistem Loi. You don't have a choice. But Purim, Kol HaPoshet Yad Noistem Loi. Ever stretches out his hand, you give. So as once Purim, Tav Shem Chavav, 1966, Lubavitch Rebbe finished the Purim Fabrengen. And he said, No, it says Purim, Kol HaPoshet Yad Noistem Loi. So whoever is Poshet Yad, Noistem Loi. So people understood. So people started to come with the cup to get uh, to get lechaim, and he gave. He gave the wine. He gave mashka, whatever. They finished. It was a big uh, sixty-six. Uh, it was a big oilum came, and it took I don't know an hour or so, or like three or four in the morning. He finished. He went up to his room. Then he was going home. It was already late, the middle of the night. So he went out, and somebody brought more wine, or more, or more, or more of mashka. So he continued to give. Came outside on Eastern Parkway. If you know Eastern Parkway, there's a service lane over there in front of 770. He went to go. Somebody would drive him home. By the car, they brought more. And people started to come from the whole neighborhood. In 66, there was a lot of other Jews in Crown Heights. It's before the mass migration. <clears throat> so people came. You know, the rumor had it. The is giving everybody. So people came in the thousands. The Bachram wanted to see it, so they went on top of the car, because they wanted to see it, so it was Meskayim and the four wheels of the car, Tetzei Ruchai, Yashuv Lad Mosai, four flat tires. And, uh, it was, it was, it was a tzir. So my uncle told me that there was a Bachram who went over by the car to get, uh, to get, uh, Lechaim. And it was already after hundreds and thousands of people went. The Lubavitcher Rebbe took a look at him, and he says, Dach <laughs> I think you took already. He was from the first ones who took in Shul. So he says, Yeh chigenumen, abe chigahat Allah in kap. Chigahat Allah in kap. Which means I had a hole in the cup. So the Rebbe said, Ad ahost Allah in kap, vasat halfen azul chigeben atzveitem mal, vatzachvaita ezgis. If you have a loch in the cup, what's going to help if I give you a second time? It'll pour out, it'll spill out again. So he says, He says, in the interim, I acquired a new cup. He says, ah, okay, so I'll give you. And he poured again. Of course, cup here has a double meaning. There's a cup and there's a cup. Yeah. So I could, you could pour wine all day and all night. If there's a lochim cup, Meaning, if there's no clay kibble, Vosvatalfin, you can get wine for 50, 60 years. You can hear truth. There's people who were exposed to truth for 40, 50 years. Why? I don't let anything go in. It's not a clay kibble. And then there's a person who hears one vart, one tipper, he gets one drop, yeah? And, and, and a child is created. Why? Because because there was a cup, so you could say everything. If the person is not ready, it's going to be useless. So he said that the Rebbe Rashab he saw this Jew. He's in a position where he can't help him. He cannot help him. You want to help him, but you can't. An example: It could rain. A person will say it's a year of drought. There's no rain. We don't have grain. It rains and rains and rains and rains. But one thing: you didn't plant. <laughs> 
or even if you plant, you didn't plow. The earth is not fertile. It's raining and raining and raining and raining and raining. And nothing grows. Why? You didn't plow or you didn't plant. Which, as I said before, that's the clay kibble. So you can have, you could sometimes be in a situation. Yeah. You're pouring wine. Without a shear. But there's no sada lochen cup. So the Rebbe saw that he can't help this Jew. But he wanted to help him. So what did he do? He said, I can't help you. And that, that touched him. You can't help me. In other words, I'm in a situation. If you can't help me, nobody can help me. Sometimes one line, nothing else touched him. Because he had the protection, you know. You know, you have your gear, your, 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 your protective gear. Suddenly, for the first time, it touched him. He went out, he lost himself. He broke. The Raza sees Hayid crying. He runs into his brother, starts screaming at him. What, what, this is how you deal with a Jew. You know what his brother was hearing? His brother wasn't hearing Musa. His brother was hearing, ah, the Jew opened up. The Jew opened up. There's somebody did some Somebody can hear something. And now he prepared himself also. Because it was a serious thing. A relationship was a serious thing. He put on his hat, he put you know, he prepared himself also. It wasn't uh, when a person prepares himself, it works both ways. You know, when a person comes into a in a shear, right? When people come in unprepared. So it, it, it reciprocal, it's always reciprocal. A person comes in prepared. You know, yeshiva, the bachim come in prepared. Rosh yeshiva prepares also. <laughs> and the same is true spiritually. He became a clay kibble. I, you're a clay kibble. Now we can work. But now when you're a clay kibble, there's a new danger. You're going to fill it up with other stuff. This is what happens very often. I told you many times, I heard this from Dr. Tversky. I, it sticks with me because it's so counterintuitive to what most people think. I was in Boca with him for a Shabbos, Boca Raton. It was a Shabbos of recovery. Boca has a lot of recovery centers. They did a Shabbaton for Jewish people in recovery. There were like 600 people there, all in recovery, some 30 years. The only person there that wasn't in recovery, I think, was me. And I had to speak to them. So, uh, and maybe Dr. Tversky, because he said in one of his speeches, I wish I was in recovery, but I'm not addicted. <laughs> but the truth is, who's not addicted? It's just what type of addiction and how dysfunctional you become. I don't know if somebody who's not addicted, is there somebody who's not addicted? It's very hard not to be addicted to something. Just may be benign. You just may not be, uh, you know, your brain may not be fried, but, ah, unless you do hadachim <laughs> ebifnim. If you do hadachim ebifnim, means you're not addicted. You tie off all your kshadim. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. What are you left with? You're left as I in this, on the surface of infinity with God. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Right? Seven layer cake is much more secure than infinity. Isn't it? Rabbi Isaac, what can you rely on more? Ain't soy for seven layer cake. 
Huh? You ever saw somebody say, I have a kiddush, I have yard site, yeah? So what are you serving? I'm going to serve infinity. Come on. McKenna's gained some bank. You can't go to the bank with a, with a seven layer cake. Or you can go to the bank. So we were sitting there. So I asked him, you've been in this work for 60 years. Today it's probably 70 years. What did you learn? What did you learn? He says, you want the shortcut? I said, what do I have to learn what you learned for 60 years? I could speak to a guy like you and learn what you learned in 60 years in 10 seconds. So he said, the most greatest thing I learned is that people who are addicts are usually the most spiritual among us. I said, why do you say that? He says, because life is life is challenging and people have voids. But most of us who are not so sensitive and not so deep and not so spiritual can live with lies, with hypocrisy, with cover-ups, and we remain functional. Those souls that can't live without God because they're too deep, they're too sensitive, they're too spiritual, they go crazy. And therefore they need all the destructive toxics in their brains to be able to numb their pain. So what you're looking at is dysfunction on one level and deep spirituality on another level. Your typhus, that's very profound. And when you're that person, it's a very comforting idea. In other words, it's always commensurate with how, I see it with the teenagers. You go ask any therapist in Muncie or Borough Park or Lakewood or anywhere in the world, you're Shalayim too. Or ask even mothers, fathers, about their children who are struggling most, including children who left and are... And ask them, oh, this probably was the child who was the most selfish, right? The most narcissistic. The child who was probably the dumbest. The child who probably couldn't care less about anything. And every mother with tears in her eyes, and I've done this with not 10 people, but maybe hundreds of mothers, with tears in her eyes say, he was the kindest. She was the most sensitive. She is the most sensitive. He was the most spiritual, the most perceptive. When he was five years old, he was the hope. He was the the, the apple of the eye because of how much potential in this kid. So it's a funny thing, right? You'll see this down. You could look. Isaac, I'm right or not? You deal with all these kids. You speak to them for 10 minutes, you'll see it. What's pshat? The pshat is... Because when there's so much yearning, when there's so much yearning, when my clay kibble is so big, it's so deep, it needs so much truth. And it's not so easy to get the real wine. So what do I do? I need big stuff to distract it. And the bigger the ke- the deeper the keli, the more deep it has to be. Because if not, it's not going to numb me. That's the hadachim ebifnim. Hadachim ebifnim is I have to have the courage to be able to clean up my entire clay kibble and not allow it to get connected to anything that will make it filthy and therefore remove the potential for the keli opening up to what really could and should fill it, which is what? Not artsechah. Not my love and awe, but allow 
ain't soif ba'atzmoi, atzmos ain't soif, Hashem himself, to be able to come into the relationship. Tumas nida, dam nida, spiritually represents, even physically, represents various toxins in the body. And it creates a change in mood. It creates a change in mood because it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy for a woman to go through what she goes through. Not, not a lot of men don't know about this. They don't even understand it. Yeah, it's a change in the body system that creates challenge, creates difficulty. It's, a, it's an emotional. Somebody once said it's an emotional roller coaster sometimes. But it's spitting out. As we're going to see later. It's spitting out something, and once it spits that all out biologically, the uterus is now ready to carry a child. That's his last marshal. What does that represent spiritually? A tremendously potent idea. As long as I'm not ready to spit out stuff, I'm not ready to clean myself up, I'm not ready for Tara, then I also can't fill that up with what has to be filled up, meaning with a real child. A child which represents real life and eternal life. Binyanadeyat. <laughs> Generations, eternity. Which represents also emotionally an emotion that's not fake, an emotion that's very real, that's, that's, that sustains itself. Okay. So tomorrow, tomorrow, we sent out an announcement. Tomorrow and Thursday, there's no shear. I'm in Mexico City. Friday morning, we'll have a shear. Everybody have a wonderful day and asach atzlocha. Atzlocha me de clay kibble and me de kaisha bracha and me de hadacha me befnim and de shtifa me bechutz. Well, so this really is a situation of previous life. Right. 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 Every maimah is a continuation of the previous maimah, but in this case, it happens to be also specific. Listen to Moshe, whenever, whenever you're dealing with truth, it's a continuation. You understand? MS doesn't contradict MS. So it's always a continuation. In one way, in another way, in one way. <laughs> Never stops. <laughs> I quit smoking say, five years ago. I want to smoke every day. You want to smoke every day, huh? Every day, every minute. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.